Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. I love how easy the GameTime app is to use and it's helping me take care of some of my last minute shopping because I'm able to find tickets to some games and concerts and it's so easy, just two taps and you're done. Well, now the GameTime app is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in Google Play or the App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, and then under the billing section, redeem the code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Live from Studio Nowhere. This is the Athletics Mailroom Podcast. Now here's your host, Amy Parlapiano. Hello and welcome back to the Athletics Mailroom Podcast, where we take subscriber questions and pose them to a different guest each week. I'm Lindsay Jones, national NFL reporter at The Athletic, and I'm filling in this week for Amy Parlapiano. We are thrilled to have Andrew Siciliano as our guest this week. Andrew is the host of DirecTV's Red Zone channel on Sundays, and he hosts NFL Now on NFL Network, which airs Monday through Friday at 1 o'clock Eastern. He's also an excellent follow on Twitter, and you can find him at Andrew Siciliano. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today. Lindsay, thank you for having me. I'm honored. I'm just a guy sitting in his kitchen watching Congress yell at <laughs> well, hopefully this will be a nice break uh, for, for you and for our listeners from that today. So before we get into our subscriber questions, and we got a lot of really good ones today. So thank you to all our subscribers for participating. Um, Andrew, I was hoping that you could take us into your background a little bit. I know you went to Syracuse University, one of the best journalism schools in the country. Um, so is sports broadcasting always your career goal? Um, and maybe how did your time at Syracuse get you ready for what you're doing now? Sure. I'll try to tell the shortest version. I, I kind of wanted to do something in sports when I was a kid. I was a remarkably mediocre second baseman with a glove who couldn't hit. And uh, I, I thought that writing for the school newspaper in high school, I went to South Lakes High School in Western Virginia, was, was maybe a way to, to start something in that field. I, I did decide at one point I wanted to pursue being a sports writer. Um, I never thought I'd ever be on TV or radio, certainly not television, but maybe radio. Um, I was a pretty shy kid, if you could believe that. And the idea of speaking in front of other people was absolutely petrifying. Um, I went to Syracuse and was going to write for the student paper, and I did. I have a couple of uh, bylines my freshman year at the Daily Orange, but I also went to WAER Radio, which is the, the, the legendary on-campus student station that does the games and has produced you know, the likes of Albert and Tarico and Stockton and Costas and and. And, and everyone there. Um, and I tried my hand at that. And somehow, evidently, people thought I was reasonably okay at it. Um, I started calling football and basketball, well, first lacrosse games at Syracuse. Um, I never did anything in television for my degree other than the required TV classes. I never made a TV tape, um, had no desire to do television. Um, I wanted to be either a radio play-by-play guy or get some kind of radio job. Um, uh, I, I got really lucky in high school, after college and got a job at WMAQ Radio in Chicago. Uh, Jeff Joniak, who's now the voice of the Bears, 
I was then the sports director there, hired me to do updates. Um, I was totally in over my head. It was a big market. Um, sports at 15 and 45, that whole thing, CBS radio. Um, but I was very lucky in that I was able to learn from many great people there um, and was in the field every day as a human mic stand, if you will. But I got to cover the Bulls' fifth championship and sixth championship and be there for Sosa and McGuire and and um, the end of the Gary Barnett Notre Dame era covering Northwestern. And we had the Bears on our station. And I covered Hallis Hall every day. Um, and Dick Wanstead, uh, Dave Wanstead teams, Dick Duran teams. Um, and I did some Bears sidelines and the Bears postgame show. And then eventually went to Fox Sports Radio in 2000 in L.A. And that got me onto Fox Sports Net Television in 2003 with the Best Damn Sports Show. And then we did the first fantasy TV show. And then in 2005... Um, David Hill and Eric Shanks came up with a, this idea called the Red Zone Channel and called me because they wanted a radio person. Fox at that point owned DirecTV, so it was all in the same family. Uh, we launched the Red Zone in 2005. Um, I went to NFL Network in 2011. Um, and now I'm just a guy sitting in this kitchen. Well, b- before we move into our subscriber questions, I think what's one of the things that I find most interesting about your career is that you juggle so many different things between, you know, your Sundays with Red Zone, your hosting duties and reporting duties at NFL Network. Um, and then also you still do play by play. So of those those hats that you wear, do you have is there a favorite um, favorite thing that you do and maybe why? It's like asking, you know, who your favorite kid is, says the guy. <laughs> but luckily, I only have one. So exactly. Funny. Says the guy who doesn't have children. Um, what's my favorite thing? Uh, I am very fortunate in that I love and I have three amazing jobs. They are all great for different reasons and they all scratch a different itch. Um, play by play. I love it and I want to do more. Um, and I've been fortunate to, to be with a great organization like the Rams for nine years. Uh, there is nothing like the thrill of putting on that headset and, not knowing what the next three hours uh, will bring you on that field in front of you. Um, I love on my job at NFL Network because uh, I'm a news junkie, Lindsay, like you. Like I always need to be connected and know what's going on, and 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 to be able to to be you know like the face of the NFL Network's afternoon news product. Where hey, it's breaking news. Damn it, let's get in the chair. And let's figure out how all these pieces fit together. Um, And then that job during the week gets me ready for my job on Sunday. Whereas by the time we get to the games on Sunday, it's like I've talked through the news and I know where all these pieces fit. And so now the games just happen and you know what everyone's backstory was to get to Sunday from my other job. Uh, I do truly love waking up on Sunday morning. Like I get legitimately excited for my job on Sunday morning because I feel like the NFL more so than any other sport, because there are only 17 of these days. Um, you never know what's going to happen. And, and every day I drive home on Sunday going, man, if you had told me that this would have happened or that this guy would have had, 300 yards or, or that team would have won on the road or, you know, yeah. we never, why it's the greatest reality show. And uh, the fact that I get to be America's remote control screaming and going like a crazy person, which I would have done on my couch anyway, uh, is pretty cool. 
So that leads us right into um, a lot of our subscriber questions, because um, everybody really wants to know about the red zone and a lot of the logistics there. And I just want to say that, Andrew, you've um, you've become like a really big part of how I consume games now. Um, In my first eight years covering the NFL, I was always at a stadium. I was always at games. And so I never really kind of watched TV, you know, watched games the way that fans do and our and our listeners and our subscribers do. Um, And then I went on maternity leave in 2016. And that was my Sunday is, you know, I'd be taking care of a teeny tiny baby and watching Red Zone. And it really kind of changed my perspective on how fans watch the game, how we consume games. And it's almost ruined like the traditional NFL viewing experience for me because I don't have the patience to sit through one solo game. So thank you, I think, (laughs) for for that. Or um, maybe I blame you for that. I'm not sure. But um, Andrew, you've been doing this now a long time since 2005. And our first subscriber question is kind of really big picture about Red Zone. And I'm really curious your thoughts or given your extensive sports background, uh, sports broadcasting background. So subscriber Brendan B asks, Dear Andrew, what impact do you think the Red Zone channel has had on sports broadcasting in general? Well, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of copycat. And I, and I mean that in only the, the most positive way, because um, I, I think and I said this to Sam Farmer, our colleague, a couple of weeks ago, and the headline writer in the LA Times, I, I think, took some liberties when he, he said millennials, this is how they watch. I, I don't mean that as a slur. I, I think we've raised a generation. And and when I say, I don't just mean, you know, people that are now 25-year-old viewers. I mean, like people like me, I'm a 45-year-old viewer um, that can't just watch one game, Lindsay, like you yeah, just said. exactly. Um, and... The Monday night game this past week, through no one's fault other than the Colts and Drew Brees, the game wasn't any good. Now it's Monday, you can go back to your normal life. If that were a standalone game on Sunday and that's all you had, you'd probably go nuts. And we now live in a short attention span society where we we have a phone where there's always 15 other options. We have a, a tablet. We have a man cave or multiple screens in our home where we're in our car in which there are 200 different audio options, not even including the podcasts. I just mean satellite radio. Um, So there's always something better. And I feel like that's what the red zone channel has become. Well, this game isn't any good. Give me something better. And we see it with, the strike zone that MLB produces. We at DirecTV actually started that too, like a year after the red zone. And and we tried that with MLB extra innings on weekends. It's good. It's just, but baseball doesn't have the same urgency every day that football has on 17 Sundays. Um, There's college goal. There's there's ESPN is goal line, right? Um, NBC has their EPL thing on Saturday morning with a similar concept. Um, the tennis channel has done it with Wimbledon, right? Or, or the BBC has domestically there in Great Britain with a million different Wimbledon screens. Um, I have for two different Olympics for Rio and for Sochi hosted something called the gold zone on NBC's, uh, Olympic platforms as well, where again, it's the same concept. There's something better that has to be on, but I, I also think. When I say it's something better that that's slamming the action or, or, or denigrating what's on the screen, I, I think it's always, I don't want to miss anything. And that's the society we now live in. 
It's, it's a FOMO society. You can't miss anything. And that is our goal on Sunday to make sure you never miss anything. Yeah, and that's definitely why I like it. Because um, you can always just catch up. You can find out what's happening everywhere. And then if something, if you, you know, if you're watching the DirecTV's Red Zone channel, that means you have Sunday ticket. Most likely, I think that's how that works. So if there is one game that you're particularly interested in, you can go over and watch that game and then switch back and forth. So um, let's get in a little bit more to those logistics of Sunday. So subscriber GT asks, Dear Andrew, what are the superhero secrets of tracking and following (laughs) the myriad play-by-play action and analytics of real-time plays happening simultaneously when you're working Red Zone Sundays? Um, JT, the, the answer is Superman's got a really damn good backup band. <laughs> um, that, that, that's the truth. We, we're really fortunate in that we've had pretty much the same crew for a long, long time there. Um, James Crittenden was our producer for the first like seven, eight years. And Bill Wagner, who is his understudy, has now produced it since as James, as James moves to his cushy corner office. Um, but I've had the same like three people. Um, uh, William Kalick, Daniel Burris, and now Eric Zerndorfer, who have been kind of like my wingmen who stand with me on the stage. Two of them do, and one of them's at a computer. And they are invaluable every single day because I can't watch 10 games. I, it, no matter, it, it's just impossible. Uh, and I may see what happens, what, what, what might be happening in Kansas City and in Denver and in Arizona. But in Seattle, something just happened where physically my head can't be turned in that direction to see that screen. And so those guys are there. In essence, they're like play-by-play spotters. They're there to point to this game over there so that my attention gets drawn to the fact that uh, Javon Curse has picked up – I'm sorry, Jadavian Clowney has picked up a ball and he's running down the sideline. Or point to the screen over there to show me that, that Jimmy Garoppolo um, – is 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 pointing first down as they measure a third and short, something like that. Um, and, and those guys are also there to explain a challenge flag. I can see that Bill O'Brien threw a challenge flag, but I don't know, A, what he's challenging, B, what was the call on the field? Um, is he out of challenges? Is, is it his first challenge? Um, I didn't see the play necessarily because I was watching three other games. Um do my guys think he's going to win? You know, things like that. Um, and I have these three extra set of eyes with me. And then I have Bill Wagner, my producer, in the control room. And between he and I, it, it's it's a team effort where I say, let's go to that game. And then he may get in my ear and say, no, we got to go to that game. Um, and there are times every Sunday where we scream at each other. Um, but in the end, we hug it out and we realize we – you know, we survived another summer. Well, somehow we don't hear you guys screaming at each other, which is another <laughs> bit of television magic, I think, that you guys are able, because you're on, really. I mean, once, when the games kick off at one o'clock Eastern, I mean, we're hearing you basically nonstop for, you yeah. know, six or seven hours. Um, so I'm going to add to uh, GT's question there. Um, what are your favorite type of Red Zone Sundays? Is it, are they, are they those days when you have, eight, nine, 10 games going at the same time in that early window? And do you maybe have a favorite moment from 2019 this season where maybe there were a bunch of wild finishes happening all at once? Can you kind of take us behind the scenes of what's going on when there's, you know, four games that are under a minute that are all within one score? What What's that like in yeah. the studio? The, Lindsay, the toughest, the toughest window is when you have a bunch of games late that are kicking off at like four or four four or five or four twenty five. And then the early games go late. We haven't had a lot of 
uh, overtime games this year. There were a lot bunch of overtimes at the beginning of last year. I think unless my years screwed up here, they all kind of melt into one. Um, when you have overtime games uh, and then they push into the late window, you you don't want to to miss early touchdowns, but you don't want to miss the endings of the games either. That that's the craziest window. Um, at the same time, you, there, there's like a sweet spot. Like eight games in the early window is perfect. Anything more than eight, we had nine a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's almost too much, and, and then I actually do become a jerk because. Uh, you don't want to miss anything. Like my biggest fear, I never want to miss. I never want to have to show you something on tape, which I have to plenty of, I mean, all the time, but I, I never want to, I always want to be there live. Like I always want to predict, Hey, look, they're at a spot on the field where if they don't get it here on third down, I think, I think Frank Reich's going to go for it. So we need to be ready to go to that game. Well, sometimes we already have four games on the screen and and you can't fit a fifth. And that's when I lose my bleeping mind <laughs> because I don't want to have to show it on tape. I, we, we've one thing in 15 years we've never done. We have never shown you something on tape and pretended that it was live because it, it, it's a breaking news show. So if it just happened 20 seconds ago, I'll say it just happened 20 seconds ago. And that is what we are always chasing. We're chasing like perfection where we never miss a touchdown live, except 80 yard touchdowns happen all the time. So like, a pro, I don't know that I've had a moment this year. We've had a bunch with Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes where we go, they're on the 40, let's go there now. And then bam, we catch lightning in a bottle. And then you're like high-fiving because with those teams, red zone, the red zone is midfield. Yeah, we call it the home zone, right? I mean, our, our, it should be just something. Home zone, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we should just permanently have them on the screen. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to, like, you know, submit a proposal that at least for this year, you know, we we eliminate all of Bengals plays from the red zone and just put every single Lamar Jackson play. Instead, we just swap out, you know, one AFC North team for another because... <laughs> I, I, but... I would do that. Like last year, when it came to the Chiefs, we actually, joking aside, started putting them on the screen yeah. when they crossed midfield. And we've had to do that with the Ravens as well. Uh, but then you don't want to get away. It's like people people bitch and moan. Well, why are you with the why are you at the Jets Redskins game? Like, well, because Sam Darnold has it first and goal on the four, right? <laughs> and and that like it's called the Red Zone Channel. It's not called the This Game Sucks Channel. So don't put it on the screen. <laughs> right. Well, there's probably somebody out there with Sam Darnold on his fantasy team, or you know, he, he right. had the over, and you know, there's there's all sorts of reasons that we're watching all of the well, games. Wait. The New York Jets are one of 32 professional football teams, and they deserve the respect if they're in the red zone, right? So let's put them on the screen. At the same time, you also um, want to. Uh, understand the the playoff significance of another game that might be at midfield and so and so is out of timeouts and so if they don't get this third down they're going to have to punt and that's significant so what's more significant than anything? Yeah. Well, and you're driving all of this in real time which is um just really crazy. So, do you caffeinate? How do you uh Yeah, I have a coffee problem. Um I uh I wake up Sunday morning and I get a five-shot Americano. Wow, that's aggressive. On the way in. 
Um, and that, uh, so that said, I, I, I usually pull into the office at seven o'clock local here. Games start at 10. And then at 10, uh, by that point, everything is good. That coffee is gone. And our stage manager hands me a steady, nonstop stream of basic black coffee. And I do not stop drinking it until maybe halftime of the late games. So are you able to like d- uh, decompress when you get home? Does that caffeine keep you up late? I know I know when I get home from late games that it takes me a while, but how do you how do you kind of decompress when the when that wild Sunday is over? Sorry about that. Sorry getting over the flu. Um I usually uh, one or two things. I either meet some friends at a restaurant and sit there and watch at least the first half of the late game and eat and and have a beer or two, or I go straight home and plop down on the couch and pour a drink. Uh, not to be an alcoholic, but Sunday evening definitely includes more than one drink and probably a bit of binge eating as well because I hardly eat on Sunday. Um, just to try to prevent having to use the bathroom. And uh, I am exhausted, hungry, and thirsty by the end of the show. Well, that that leads right into our next subscriber question, um, which multiple uh, of our subscribers had. And we're going to have to get a little TMI here. Um, Our apologies here. But he says, Dear Andrew, this is subscriber CBS. Yeah. Dear, Dear Andrew, when do you go to the bathroom during Red Zone? Do you keep a jug behind the screen? And we had a couple people ask this question. So yeah, no, it's it's I get it all the time. I get it at Starbucks. I get it in the airport. I get it um, from my neighbors. Um, I moved recently, and that was one of the first questions they had when I met my new neighbors. Um, the answer is I generally don't go. Uh, last Sunday, for example, I did not go. I went seven hours without. Um, I can usually pull it off, so to speak. Um, the uh, I have never gone a full 17-week schedule without, but I have gone um, 17 weeks over the course of two seasons, like continuing a hitting streak in baseball. Um, it's, it's kind of like a Jedi mind trick. It's like once you figure out how to ride a bike, you always know how to ride a bike. And it's all mental. That said, sometimes you can't and you run down the hall and what we do every Sunday morning we have for years is we pre-record a generic audio toss. So uh, let me think of the games last week. Uh, see, Browns, Cardinals, and uh, Rams, Cowboys, two late games. So I'll say, hey, we'll get back to this one in a second. But for now, it's back to Dallas, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, the Cowboys, and the Rams. So that's one. And Or I'll say... All right, we'll get back to this one. It's always generic on the front side. But for now, uh, let's get back to Glendale, where it's the Browns and the Cardinals, Tom McCarthy and Jay Feely. And I'll have a generic one for all of them. So if I run down the hall to use the bathroom and they have to switch to another game before I get back, they have that generic audio toss to every game being played. And so they can use that as a bridge. We haven't had to use one of those all season because when I have gone to the bathroom, I have been able to make it back in time um, before we have to switch games. And we've just gotten lucky that way. They are also loath to use them. I mean, they don't mind. They have, we, we record them every week for a reason, but if it's like, Hey, we should get 
to the next game, but he's not back yet. We'll give him 15 more seconds. It's no big deal if we miss the next play there, right? It's not vital. But if, if someone throws a bomb to the two-yard line and they don't want to miss the touchdown, you better believe they're, they're using that thing. And I'm cut out. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you, you said you're recovering from the flu, but have you ever had to miss a Sunday? Is there like a backup plan? If, you know, is there somebody else who's ready to slide in and handle your duties? I have never <laughs> missed a show. I've done 254 shows. I've never missed a show. Um, I don't know what their backup plan is. Uh, I have had plenty of Sundays where whether it's a sinus infection, which I get every December, uh, like clockwork, uh, I've lost or I, I've been I've had a really weak voice. Um, there have been some close calls. The closest call was last year when I threw my back out um, and I, I was sitting sitting in the shower Sunday morning, pretty certain that I couldn't make it into my car. Um, but I made it um, and I was able to stand up straight for the pregame show for five minutes. Um, and then once I got off camera for the pregame show, I did the entire show sitting down with blankets and pillows and um, muscle relaxers. <laughs> and the show might have sat that day, but I made it. That was the, that was the closest call I've ever Wow, had. that's great. Um, I hope you... Uh... Can, we're able to go back and listen to that after and compare and so know that hey, I did this on a combination yeah. of coffee and mu muscle relaxers. So, yeah, it was um, yeah. pretty bad, but whatever. We're not digging ditches here. I'm talking about <laughs> exactly, so. exactly, right? Um, well, we're going to move into a, a, our subscriber Max L has a question about some of the stuff you did before you um, got to Directv and NFL Network. So Max L asks, "Dear Andrew, I've subscribed to Sunday Ticket since 2005. You've been a big part of it, but I remember your early start at Fox Sports West. What skills and tools did you acquire during that time, and what are some of the fun things you miss about working there?" Um, so I was never at West full time. I did a lot. I did some freelance work for them. I did. Um, so when that fantasy show was on Fox Sports West, um, the most of the stuff that I did at Fox Sports West was actually play by play for arena football. So I did um, the Los Angeles Avengers game and I did the Las Vegas Gladiators game. Um, so I had a blast doing that. It was play by play, which I love. Um, there were a lot of crazy stories about traveling with an arena football team that probably, um, aren't suited for, um, an all ages. <laughs> podcast. But, uh, from that, uh, I just learned, um, to get better at play by play. And, and that certainly helps on Sunday. Um, and, uh, I, I love being on in LA and doing an LA team. Um, so even though just the Avengers at Staples Center, I had a blast doing that. All right. We've got a couple questions about the 2019 season here before we let you go. Subscriber Taylor C asks, dear Andrew of the top teams in the playoff hunt this year, who do you think is most susceptible to being upset and which teams do you think are the ones who could pull off that sort of upset? Great question. I, I think... I think home field means so much in the NFC because you, it's so top heavy um, with the, the Saints, the Packers, 
the 49ers and the Seahawks. Home field will mean a lot. The Seahawks have won a lot on the road. The Niners have shown they're capable of winning on the road. I don't trust the Packers on the road, especially um, in San Francisco, which you've already seen them lose badly, or in Seattle. Um, I, I don't know that I trust them going to New Orleans either, especially with how bad their def- their offense has been of late. So I, I don't know that I trust the Packers, and I think anybody can upset them on the road. In the AFC, I, I will say it. I, I don't think the Patriots are making it, and I think uh, the Ravens can beat them again. I think the Chiefs can beat them again. Um, I think the Bills beat them this Saturday, actually. And I think it does come down to Week 17. Um, I, I know it is blasphemy and that history dictates if you, if you um, pick against the Patriots, you will die a violent death. Um, but figuratively speaking, of course. Um, but uh, I do... I, I do think that this is the year that they are imminently beatable. That said, um, I don't bet against Bill Belichick a second time around. And a second time around against the Chiefs or the Ravens, to whom he's already both lost, uh, it, you, it's, hard to, it's hard to go against the evil genius. Absolutely. Um, subscriber Ron M asks, Dear Andrew, where do the Browns go from here? Do you think Freddie Kitchen stays or are the Browns going to go through another house cleaning? I don't know yet. I think the last two weeks will tell us a lot. Uh, as a Brown fan, as many people know, it, it was so disappointing to see the way they came out against Arizona because just imagine the opposite. Imagine they had won that game and they're seven and seven. Now, this game against the Ravens, the team they've already beaten this year, means everything. There isn't a crazy playoff formula here. It's a very makeable playoff formula. But they blew it, and they looked disgustingly bad doing it. Um, I, I think I, I, I haven't been in that building or seen that team in person in a few weeks. I, I think there is a belief that they don't want to continue blowing it up and blowing it up and blowing it up. It's why Hugh Jackson got maybe an extra half a season when he shouldn't have. Um, But I'm curious to see what happens the last two weeks, because I truly do believe this one is hanging in the balance to see how they perform. You'd like to say Freddie gets a mulligan, but it's the NFL. I guess I didn't know or realize that you were a Browns fan. How did how did you become yeah. a Browns fan while growing up in Virginia? So, I'm born and raised as, like in Virginia. Uh, it's Redskins territory. The Redskins were winning Super Bowls every year under Joe Gibbs when I was a kid. And I like the Redskins, certainly. But my dad is from Cleveland. Gotcha. Um, and my dad raised my brother and raised me to be diehard Browns fans. Um, and back in, in the late 80s, when I was 12, 13, 14 years old, uh, they were going to the AFC Championship every, every year. Those are the Bernie Kosar years. Um, those were the, t- uh, the 10, 11, 12 win years every year. And I just got sucked in. My dad made us fans. My brother to this day is still a, a Browns, not still, he lives in Virginia. He's a Browns season ticket holder. Wow. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a sickness. <laughs> well, well, I hope there's better days ahead for, um, for the entire Siciliano family and your Browns fandom. Thank you. Thank you for that. Cause it, it certainly didn't happen this year, but, um, Andrew, <laughs> 
that's going to wrap it up for us today. Um, thank you so much for your time. Um, I, I learned a lot. Hopefully our subscribers and our listeners to the Mailroom Podcast have learned a lot. Um, and this is just a reminder that you can catch Andrew Siciliano on NFL Now weekdays on NFL Network at 1 o'clock Eastern and every Sunday in the regular season on DirecTV's Red Zone channel. So, Andrew, thank you so much for, for joining us this week. Lindsay, thank you for having me, number one. Number two, I'm sorry that I, I give such long-winded answers. And uh, number three, happy holidays, everyone. Thanks for watching. Um, and uh, I love The Athletic. I read it every day, and that's just not a shameless plug because you guys are having me on. <laughs> well, awesome, Andrew. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for subscribing. And uh, I will definitely be tuning in to watch you on Sunday. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe to the Mailroom Podcast so you can catch all of our new episodes. And while I'm here, make sure you also subscribe to our NFL Power Rankings Podcast for all of the uh, updated infos we head into the playoffs. Thank you, guys, and happy holidays. Happy holidays.